If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And good morning. Good morning, folks. It is hot. Very hot. Woo! And good morning, everyone. Thank you very much, Sid, for another great morning show today. Already hot in the tri-state area as the first heat wave of summer is upon us. Dominic Carter in for Brian Kilmeade. I will be here today as well as tomorrow. Brian's back next week. So this heat will last for the next several days, as you just heard from Noam and the uh, news uh, headlines. Temperatures through Saturday in the 90s, but will feel like they are exceeding 100. Curtis Lewa and I were talking before the show this morning, and Curtis Lewa brought up a good point. Whatever happened to the urban sprinklers? And the fire hydrants, when, when, you know, folks, too much water was being wasted, the fire department, uh, the NYPD, the FDNY would put the sprinkler caps on the hydrants, but it was fun for all, a way of cooling off. And Curtis and I were talking about that you just don't see that anymore. At least I haven't seen it. Whatever happened to the fire hydrants, the waters flowing, kids having fun. Fun for all until some morons decided to start dousing the excellent men and women of the NYPD with water. So I rode the train uh, down from Rockland County to Midtown, right, to get to WABC. And that's always fun when I get to do it. So a good news bad news uh type uh situation yesterday right so i i ride the i ride the uh commuter train down and then take the subway and it's a great it's a great opportunity for me when i get a chance to do it and it's a great opportunity to see what's going on and what people have to encounter so on the way down once i hit the new york subway system 
I noticed there were two police officers looking very pleasant and professional NYPD on the actual subway platform. But then after this program, again, Dominic Carter in for Brian Kilmeade, I decided to do something brave. So this is yesterday afternoon. I had to go to the Bronx, which is my home borough, to pick up my my car. Some repairs were being done from my mechanic, John. And so first I leave WABC, and I'm looking for the nearest Citibank, right? So I don't want to pay the, what, the $3.50 service fee for going to a different bank. And so normally when I drive, a Citibank is very, very close. And so I, um, I'm walking all around and I got a suit on and it's hot and I just couldn't find a city bank. So then finally I decided to go to the nearest bank. I paid the service fee, but I needed to get the number five train, the five train to get up to 180th street in the Bronx. So I'm walking around, walking around, walking around. And I said to myself, I walk to 42nd Street, right? But it shows you how much I actually ride the subways these days because uh, the 59th Street station was only a few blocks away, but I decided to walk to uh, 42nd Street because I forgot the five train stops at 59th uh, Street as well. So I get on the five train, right? And I kept looking in the faces, I was trying not to be obvious, but I kept looking in the faces of the individual people. And I felt a little bad because I have to be honest with you, reality hit me where I put two and two together. And if you're a New Yorker, you are dependent on the subway system. So everything worked out on the five train air conditioning, everything was going well. Notice I said past tense. Everything was going well. Then a homeless man got on the uh, on the train, the five train, and with my luck, with my luck, he sat on the same bench that I was sitting on a few feet away. And the smell I'm sorry to tell you, folks, the, the smell was horrendous. My first instinct was to go to the other subway car, right? But I'm going to be honest with you. I, I I wasn't sure if you can move from car to car anymore. and Because I looked at the device, and it wasn't the device that I grew up with. It was different to go from car to car. And then I noticed that you can go from car to car. But then I said to myself, Dominic, but by the grace of God, that man could be you. So I sat there and I just felt awful because I said, where is, it's not, it's not good. It's not showing human compassion to just let this man stay on the street smelling horrible and talking to himself. I just don't get the argument of look the other way, 
The homeless have a right to be amongst us and just leave them and just ignore them and act like you don't see them, act like you don't smell them. But what about compassion for fellow human beings? And I'm I'm serious when I say that. The compassionate thing to do would be to take them off the streets and get them help. The smell was awful. Anyway, before I get to Hunter Biden, before I get to Hunter Biden, cop killers should die in prison. Cop killers should never see the light of day. And frankly, they should lead a horrible life behind bars each and every day. One of the four men who gunned down rookie NYPD officer Edward Byrne more than 35 years ago in 1988 has been granted parole. A move that sent shockwaves through the law enforcement community. Where is the justice and where's the parole for Eddie Byrne and his family? Byrne was 22 years old. This young man was just starting to live his life, 22 years old. And he was assigned to South Jamaica, Queens. It was a different time in New York those days where he was shot in the head by drug dealers. While what, what did he do? He was assigned a post to guard, to stand outside the home of a witness. This happened on February 26, 1988. And so the man that's uh, convicted of this, uh, 60-year-old Scott Cobb, he gets to walk out of the Clinton Correctional Facility in Danamora, a free man next month. And he had been eligible for parole since 2013, but this is the first time the parole board granted his request. How about this? Never see the light of day and keep him and all the other cop killers locked up. How about that? Where they belong? How about some justice for these police officers' families? They should never, ever, ever see the light of day. So during the 11 a.m. hour this morning, and by the way, let me just, uh, let me just say this, uh, 11 a.m. uh, tomorrow, officer, former NYPD officer Sal Greco, who was fired from the NYPD after internal charges were brought up against him, accusing him of associating with Roger Stone, right? And Ro- Roger's a great guy, really great guy. But we're going to talk to uh, Mr. Greco tomorrow at the 11 a.m. hour live on the uh, phone, and he'll also be taking some of your questions. But during the 11 a.m. hour this morning, I say this, folks. Look at the stab wounds on her leg. I'm talking about the EMT who has been released from the hospital after being stabbed several times by a patient in an ambulance. Her name, Julia Fodham. She was met with cheers as she was wheeled out of Mount Sinai West yesterday. 
the 25-year-old woman is recovering after suffering an attack at the hands of a of an EDP patient, an emotionally disturbed person, possibly mental illness, 48-year-old Rudy Garcia pulled out a knife from his boot and stabbed Fatim in the leg, chest, and arm. Of course, he has been arrested eight previous times. And think about this for a second, folks. As Fatim tried to protect herself, she curled up, curled up, which is why the more serious wounds are on her arms and legs instead of her chest. So she's being stabbed, right? Imagine how that feels. She's trapped in an ambulance, and she has to curl up like a boil, a ball, to try and protect herself. And so this man has been charged uh, with three counts of assault, criminal possession of a weapon, uh, and she still faces she still faces a long and challenging road to recovery, but was met with a tremendous show of support outside the hospital. So during the 11 a.m. hour this morning, I'm going to talk about the mentally ill and emotionally disturbed persons, but I'm also going to give you the unique perspective, which is one of the unique things that I can provide, uh, given my background with my own mother, of what of what they see, of what people dealing with mental illness when they attack What's going on in their minds? What do they actually see? We're going to talk about that. That's coming up uh, at 11 a.m. this morning. So now, right now, and we see your telephone calls already uh, coming in, the Hunter Biden hearing. We were on the air when this started to break, this program, when it started to break yesterday. And what happened in court, the best way I can describe this, the best way I can put this into terms that, that we can all follow together. It's like it's like a game of chess, a game of chess. When you're playing chess, it's all about strategy. And one of the best feelings in the world when you're playing chess is when you have cornered your opponent. There is nowhere else for the opponent to go to protect the king Peace. The queen piece on the board has already been sacrificed or lost. And then you announce checkmate, meaning there is no place for the king to move or hide behind a pawn or a rook or a bishop. Checkmate means game over. I got you. There is nowhere else for you to run. That is what the judge in Delaware did yesterday. The judge declaring numerous times that you are saying to me, just rubber stamp the agreement, Your Honor. And then she told Hunter Biden himself, I know you want to get this over with. And I am sorry, but I want to be careful. Private citizen, private citizen Hunter Biden receiving a motorcade entourage, Secret Service entourage to and from court. 
But boy, was it a reality check once he got inside. We are going to be taking your telephone calls on Hunter Biden and a number of topics. And bravo to this judge that said, no way am I a rubber stamp. It was disgusting what the two parties were trying to do. The defendant, right, the defense, you would expect that of the defense. The Justice Department normally stands by the public. It is time for a break. When we come back, we will take your telephone calls this morning. Dominic Carter in for Brian Kilmeade. We'll talk about Hunter Biden, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Stay cool, folks. It is hot, hot, hot. We'll be right back. Keep it going and you don't stop. Love the way we do the hip hop. Oh, yeah. Like this. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And good morning. We are back. Dominic Carter here with you on this hot summer day. And for Brian Kilmeade, who is back next week, I'll be with you again tomorrow. It was disgusting, disgusting what almost happened in a federal courtroom yesterday. Hunter Biden, the president's son, was minutes away, if you believe his defense team, minutes away from blanket immunity. How does that happen? How does that happen? I've told you folks repeatedly that I used to be an embed reporter for the Southern District of New York, right? So we have to go through a huge criminal background and fingerprints and interviews and everything. And I used to literally watch in courtrooms in the Southern District, prosecutors slaughter, federal prosecutors slaughter eat for breakfast, one defendant after another, where it it would uh, appear to look one case after another where the defendant, no matter how many resources they had, and remember now, if if you plan on fighting a case in federal federal court, you're going to need 300,000 liquid, 300,000 cash to 500,000 on up. That's if you plan on even putting on a defense. And even if you put on a defense, I am telling you, folks, the feds will eat you for breakfast. That's what they do. And they do it quite well. And they will run over anyone that gets in their way. But yet, when it involves, when it involves the president's son, it's just the opposite. It's just the exact opposite. I, I wonder, I wonder how that is. 
I wonder how that happens when it's Hunter Biden that um, it was almost like until the disagreement in court yesterday, it was almost like each side was on the same team. That's what it was almost like in the uh, courtroom for Hunter Biden. So only, it was only one problem, one problem, one big problem that they did not anticipate. The judge, a Trump appointee, she was not willing to play ball. And it's her courtroom at the end of the day. The judge repeatedly expressed skepticism of the deal, asking at one point, and she was, let me be very clear, she was playing a good game of chess. She was controlling all the pieces in her courtroom. She asked at one point the skepticism, right? Have you ever seen a diversion agreement that is so broad that it encompasses crimes in another case? The judge asked this of prosecutors, whether he knew of any precedent for such a deal. And guess what the prosecutor had to admit in open court on the record? No, Your Honor. And she pressed lawyers on each side. She was playing a wonderful game of chess. She pressed lawyers on each side, whether she was merely there to rubber stamp the agreement. So if you're Hunter Biden this morning, and who knows, the deal, the deal may still, may still come about, but it's not going to be as much of a sweetheart deal as it was supposed to be yesterday. And if you're Hunter Biden, you have got to be a little nervous. Yes. He walked into court escorted by Secret Service agents, a, uh, a, a six car, uh, uh, entourage, there was a body man standing behind him. It was almost reminiscent, much larger, but reminiscent of what we see with the president of the United States. Hunter Biden had a body man, a Secret Service agent, standing behind him. Secret Service agents driving the vehicles, sirens, and all. But if you're Hunter Biden, you've got to be a little worried this morning that when this is all said and done, that the possibility of prison may be involved in this. Remember, it's a sweetheart deal that he was receiving. And if you're his dad, if you're President Biden, you know, it's it, it's amazing. It, it's amazing. So when it comes to Trump, right, nonstop aggression, as we speak right now, folks, the grand jurors, have arrived at the D.C. federal courthouse. Now, remember, former President Trump has said that he has received a letter that he's the target of yet another investigation, and he could be indicted again as recent as today or maybe tomorrow. And if not today or tomorrow, Certainly, and remember now, there are things that are called smoke screens. So if you're the Biden White House right now, what do you want? 
if you're the Biden White House right now, you want your story out of the media. You need something else to replace that. What's good to replace that? They feel Donald Trump. All you're doing is making him larger than life, but they feel Donald Trump. If we can get that Trump indictment, it'll push Hunter off of off of page one. And so, boom, presto, all of a sudden, the grand jurors have arrived uh, at the uh, D.C. federal courthouse, where Trump has said he expects to be indicted again. Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC and for Brian Kilmeade. We are going to take your telephone calls in just a moment on a number of topics. Coming up at the top of the hour, we'll deal with EMS. They are sitting ducks for EDPs, emotionally disturbed people, out on the street that they try to help and provide services to them. We will discuss that. A lot more is coming up. And by the way, folks... Uh, remember that officer that I told you about, the dog, the dog in Ohio, the police dog, and the man that was a- attacked by the police dog, right? And he, the man had defied police instruction. I really do feel bad for the officer with the, 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 he let the dog go because that officer, right? All of this, did the man, did the officer make a mistake? Absolutely. He should have never let the dog go. That officer is out of a job today. He's been fired in Ohio. Why? He let the dog go. But what preceded all of that? The actions of the driver. We are going to be right back taking your calls. 800-848-WABC. We are back. Dominic Carter in for Brian Kilmeade on this Thursday, Thursday morning. Hot, hot, hot. We are now going to start with your telephone calls. I will repeat, it is disgusting what happened, uh, almost happened yesterday. But we had a judge that took her job, takes her job, a federal judge, very, very seriously. And she said, no go. No way. Mm-mm. Come back. We'll see you in 30 days. Not going to fly. Not going to happen. So if you're President Biden, it's time to go, uh-oh, how can I hit Trump on corruption when the, the baggage in my backyard is even larger? And when you're the President of the United States, your problems are, are, or your issues become larger than anyone else's. It's going to be very interesting. So I said at the top of the hour, and I mean it, that cop killers should never be replaced, released, excuse me. They should live a horrible life in prison each and every day that they wake up and open their eyes for the rest of their natural lives until they go to hell. That's what should happen. 
Let's start with some of your telephone calls. Let's begin this morning with, uh, let's see, Vinny in New Jersey. Good morning, Vinny. What's on your mind? Hey, good morning. It's so cool to hear you in the morning. I always listen to you on midnight. It's a nice, refreshing change. Well, thank you, um, Vinny. That's nice of you to say. Thanks. Two quick things. As far as the cop killers are concerned, um, once you kill a cop uh, with intent, you violate your rights as a human being. They shouldn't suffer for the rest of their life in jail because we have to pay for that. Give them good that point. penalty. Good That's point. my personal opinion. Good point. Good point. We do have to pay for it. Exactly. We have to pay. And from what I hear, it's almost six digits. Plus, they get free dental, free college. They get everything. Meanwhile, people like us have to scrimp and save to give our family a decent living now. Hey, Vinny, they, they receive almost as much as the migrants do. Not as much, but almost. Yeah, exactly. And that's my point. You know, And I work hard. Um, and my second, really quick, regarding Hunter Biden, I know it was said a hundred times yesterday when I was listening, if you comply to the police, this would never happen. Wait, you, you said about Hunter Biden now? Yeah, this is just a, just a quick comment because I know we were talking back and forth. But um, the cop killer, I made my point, and I just wanted to throw a quick comment in about the Hunter Biden case. Okay, go uh, ahead. When I was, you were bringing that in. As far as, as far as this whole thing with Hunter Biden, um, uh, well, we all know that he's guilty. Uh, and unfortunately, the way things are going to work out with this, I think nothing's going to happen. I think this is... This is a good start, but after it's all said and done, I don't think, personally me, I don't think anything's going to happen with Hunter Biden. Well, we we will see. Uh, I I think I I hear you. I really do, Vinny, but I think the judge, remember what I said, it's a game of chess, and I've watched federal judges do this quite a bit. The judge, without stating it in open court, basically said, not on my watch. Now, she could ultimately uh, give some type of deal, but when she is essentially throwing it back at counsel for each side, she's saying basically, guys, you've got to be joking me. You've, you've got to come up better. So I hear you, Vinny. We will see uh, what will uh, actually happen. Thank you for the call. Let's go to Bob and Yonkers. Good morning, Bob. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, Dominic. Uh, in regards to the cop that was killed, I was at that funeral. They had like 20,000 cops there. It was unbelievable. Very emotional. What they should do to that guy, I can't even say on the radio. What a disgrace it is. The police officers in this state should demand that the governor resign. She's a total disgrace. In terms of uh, this individual being let go he, on he parole. She should overturn the parole decision. What a joke. Hmm. You know, you know, Bob, I appreciate the call. I've got to toss to a break. And and I, I believe you're former NYPD, so thank you for your service. But something that I'm thinking about, right, and as I'm tossing to the break, and I, I just want to toss this out there. So you're Eddie Burns. You're, what, 22 years old. You're sitting in the patrol car outside the residence of a uh, of a witness in Queens, and you get shot in the head. And I, I'm wondering, right, is that something that you're lucky and and you die right away? Or is that something they say once you're shot? Fortunately, I've never been shot. They say it burns like hell. Is that something that are you aware of what's going on once you're, you're shot in the head? Do you suffer? Do you have a minute to think about your family? Do you have a minute for a 22-year-old man to think about you just gave your life for pure animals? 
Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. In for Brian Kilmeade. We will be right back. And we are back. Dominic Carter here with you this weekend for Brian Kilmeade. Talk Radio 77 WABC coming up at 11 a.m. Coming up, we will discuss the situation where we have seen EMTs, emergency medical technicians, killed. The most recent incident, one of them stabbed repeatedly, female. We will discuss that. We will talk about it, the job that they must deal with in terms of the mentally ill and so on. And uh, someone uh, who who has been around for a long time in terms of New York politics, Norman Seabrook, he's going to join me uh, during the 11 a.m. hour because he says Norman Seabrook feels that, and he's the former head of the Correction Officers Union, he feels that every time there's a call, a medical call for an emotionally disturbed person that NYPD should be required to respond to the call. Because really, at the end of the day, these EMTs are sitting ducks with no protection whatsoever. Some have resorted to wearing bulletproof vests under their, uh, their work uniform, the world that they have to deal with. And so also I'm looking, uh, at some uh, social media, you could reach me on Twitter at Dominic TV. Sherry, uh, a, p- a former police officer who just retired, um, I'll withhold her last name. Thank you for the uh, post article she just sent me. You have heard me, folks, focus a lot on the transgender issue and Dylan Mulvaney. Well, there's there's repercussions for everything, and now Anheuser Busch, the parent company of Bud Light. Hundreds of U.S. workers are about to lose their jobs, and they're going to pay the price because some genius decided to hire a transgender influencer, and the American people, rightfully so, said, hell no, and sales of Bud Light have gone down tremendously. Set to lay off nearly 400 workers at its corporate offices in the wake of of slumping sales, but light. And the company revealed this in a statement to the Wall Street Journal yesterday. Now, the cut will affect less than 2% of its workforce, but if you're one of those 2% and you have a family, what does that mean for you? We are taking your telephone calls up until the uh, top of the hour. Let's go to Mario in Rockland County. Good morning, Mario. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning, man. First, I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, It's funny because we both live in Rockland, and you said you grew up in the Bronx. Where in the Bronx are you from? I'm from all over the Bronx, to be honest with you, Mario. But if I had to give you one location, I would say East 184th, uh, right off of Webster Avenue, Twin Parks, uh, right in the vicinity of a few blocks away from Fordham University. But in high school, I lived in the Throgs Neck houses, uh, in, 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 and I also, uh, lived in the Patterson projects in the Bronx. 
bro. I grew up in the <laughs> first. I was born on St. Anne's across okay. from St. Anne's Park. Oh boy! But I, uh, I basically grew up in uh, the Andrew Jackson projects. Wow! Wow! Look at you that. Grew, you grew up when I ran Barkley and his sister, probably. Well, I don't. I don't remember uh, the names. Um, and I. I, I mean, I don't want to say anything bad about the projects because they're they're a good people that live in the housing projects. But, but Mario, it's just not for me. And I have never understood why people urinate in their own elevators. I have never, ever, ever understood that. And mothers and children, and they have to walk into the elevators and deal with that. But anyway, Mario, what's on your mind? Um, on top of a million things that are not fair, I just find it, and again, growing up where I grew up, people should understand, I get along with everyone. I don't get why black criminals, uh, whether it be celebrities, nobodies, they get chance after chance after chance. If you're a white person today, like that cop with the dog, or you're an announcer uh, of a sport, and you happen to say, oh, look at that running back. He's running around like a little monkey. Boom, you get fired. One chance, doesn't matter if you apologize or whatever, you are gone. But black criminals... Chance, you know how many racist things Charles Barkley has said over the years on TV? That guy doesn't get fired. Well, Char- Charles Barkley is—he's is, somewhat different, and, and and I'm not saying that it's that it's excuse, but he's—I I don't want to call a man a buffoon, but I just did. Um, he, you know, he got caught up in that whole oral sex thing and said he enjoyed it, and you know, he's a little different. And the bottom line is, as long as you're making the corporate company that employs you a ton of money, they have they have a long, long tolerance. But continue, Mario, before I move on. Mario? Yes, sir. Okay, go ahead. Continue, please. Uh, no, I, I, I'm just saying, that, well, that's one of my many, many arguments, all of that. And just a little comment. The 60s ruined this country. I hear you. I, I, I hear you. Um, you know, I, I wish I had time to respond. It does seem that certain groups get opportunity after opportunity after opportunity after opportunity these days. I wish maybe I'll bring it back up, Mario. Thank you for the call in the uh, next hour. But I've been putting off uh, because of time the EMS discussion, and we are going to deal with it head on. We're going to talk about what's happening, and I'm going to chat with Norman Seabrook, and we'll have more of your telephone calls. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WABC. You know, I was I was wondering, you know, if she could keep on because the force has got a lot of power and it makes me feel like it, it makes me feel like it. And we are back. 
Dominic Carter here with you. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Good morning. Good morning. It is hot. It's hot. It's going to stay hot at least through Saturday. Please, folks, stay cool, drink water, do all the things that the experts are telling you to do. Dominic Carter here with you in for Brian Kilmeade. Brian is back next week. I'll be back tomorrow. Life is short and life is precious. So I'm looking at my Twitter right now. I'm moving to the discussion of the EMS worker that was stabbed inside the ambulance, right, by a convicted felon. And her mother is blaming the state's bail reform for the savage attack and says the Big Apple has failed its people. We can all agree on that. But I, I looked at my Twitter, at Dominic TV, at Dominic TV. One of my colleagues that I worked together with for about 15 years, her name is Rochelle Boone. And life is very, very short. We're wishing the best for her. But I'm looking at something she just sent out. And she says, quote, I'm very touched by all who reached out to me to see how I'm doing. Unfortunately, my cancer has metastasized in my liver and I'm back in treatment. It's rough. But the chemo, the chemo is working. For me, prayers have carried me through the difficult moments. Thank you for rooting for me. So, Rochelle, we, we really do wish you the best. I know her husband, Todd, he's a good man. She has two boys. And she's in the prime of her career. And cancer has hit. And that EMT, that EMT, in a moment, I'm going to chat live with uh, Norman Seabrook, who is the former head of the uh, Correction Officers Union. And Norman Seabrook got a lot of things accomplished for correction officers, right? And he says that when it comes to emergency medical technicians, that the police department should be called to when it's an emotionally disturbed person to the location as well, because these EMTs are sitting ducks. That's what their union is claiming. And this young lady, Kara, well, Kara is the mother. Kara is the mother. Kara Fottom is the mother of the 25-year-old EMT, Julia Fottom. And the mother wrote on Facebook that her daughter's accused assailant should have never been allowed to roam the streets given his extensive criminal history. And she is correct. She is correct. Eight arrests. And so I want you to listen to this ABC seven New York report, right? And I want you to keep in mind that she's there to treat this man and she's locked in the uh, ambulance with him. And according to her, he throws a gum wrapper at her, something to the effect. She says, stop it. After that, he pulls out a knife from his boot, stabs her repeatedly. She is defenseless. She curls herself into a ball. Now, you imagine this. You're being stabbed over and over and over and over and over until your your partner can get to you. In other words, you can be dead in seconds. She was released from the hospital just yesterday. In a moment, I'm going to talk to Norman Seabrook live 
But I want you to listen to this report on ABC 7, Channel 7, regarding the release, uh, the release of Julia Fodham, the EMT, after being stabbed repeatedly, being released from the hospital. It's a moment everybody knows deep down came uncomfortably close to not happening, and so a tremendous show of support for Julia Fodham. The EMT faces a long, challenging road to recovery, but today went home from the hospital. I'm overwhelmed. Like I can't believe there's so many people here that can see the value in her. The 25-year-old was severely injured while transporting a patient in the back of an ambulance. Just as they pulled up to the hospital, Rudy Garcia allegedly stabbed Julia with a kitchen knife he had in his boot. Trying to protect herself, she curled up is why the more serious stab wounds are on her arms and thigh instead of her chest. Julia's partner there in the blue bandana and others rushed to help. I never feared for my life coming into work as I fear now. Greg has been an EMT for 30 years. A patient with an axe once chased him. He and others are demanding the city add more safety measures like protective gear. And when they get in a bind, send the NYPD. Right now, oftentimes, only another ambulance shows up. So in a minute, I'm going to, we're going to talk about this right now. I see a number of your calls. And I'm also going to give you the perspective of these emotionally disturbed people, what's going through their minds. And I know well, given my own background with my mother, I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But first, I want to bring in someone, uh, Norman Seabrook, who's joining us live. And Norman Seabrook, as the when he was the head of the uh, Correction Officers uh, Benevolent Association, did a lot, a lot to get correction officers things that they had never accomplished before. So, Mr. Seabrook, good morning to you. Good morning, Dominic. How are you, brother? I'm doing well, my man. I'm doing well. So now you say, well, I want you to tell me what your idea is to deal with this problem. Well, first, I, w- I want to thank you, and, and, and I pray that uh, your friend, your, your friend's uh, wife uh, recovers and that uh, she gets touched by the Spirit to recover completely. But what I'm, what I'm talking about here is, for example, when an, when an EDP person is called, we know for the most part uh, police officers show up for a mostly disturbed person. But they may then leave at that point. I'm, what I'm suggesting is that when a person responds to an EDP call, they are immediately um, accompanied by uniformed police officers. And I don't know whether they completely do it at 100% or they don't, and I'm not casting any blame. But after that, I think that the person that has been or is going to be the patient is then searched before they are cuffed and or, or if they're not cuffed, but at least searched and put into whatever restraints that's needed to be done, placed in the, the ambulance with an escort of a police officer in that vehicle with them to prevent any hostile uh, environment that they're going to go into. Because I think it's important, first of all, people have to understand when an EDP person is called, when someone calls an EDP person, and, and, and you look at it directly, that person is a threat to somebody. So you already know that person is a threat, whether it be to themselves or to someone else. That being said, you're dealing with someone that is not thinking rationally. 
And now you're putting them in the hands of someone who is not properly trained to be able to deal with restraining this individual. So the knife getting in his, that was in his boot that he took out, thank God that the young lady's okay and, and she's going to recover, but it could have been a lot worse. And I think that those things are important, and I just think that if we are dealing with so many individuals on the streets of New York City right now who are dealing with emotional problems, we have to be able to try to combat that problem, but in a way that the person gets the help that they need, in a way that the public has the safety that they need, in a way that the EMS uh, individual operator of the vehicle or technician gets the protection that they need. Well, you know, Mr. Seabrook, the reason why I wanted to speak to you is because I remember well, as the uh, president of the Correction Officers Union, you did not play. And in particular, what I'm talking about as it relates to the safety of your officers, you did not play. Nothing was negotiable when it came to the safety of uh, correction officers. So I'm sure you've seen the headlines over the troubles at Rikers, right? You spent a lot of time at Rikers in terms of as the president of the union of these officers. You would go there because I would often see you going there to visit your officers. And you had a take no prisoners approach. What's the answer to Rikers? I think that the answer to Rikers is that everybody needs to get in the room together and have someone command the ship. You can't have everybody wants to be a captain. You can't have... 12 chiefs and no Indians. You, you have to be able to communicate and you have to land one plane at a time. You can't try to do 12, 15 things at a time. It doesn't work. You have to land one plane at a time or you're going to have a disaster, whether it be on the runway or wherever it may be in life. And I think that if you do that, you will be able to combat the problems easily and more effectively and you have to come to resolutions forget about the solutions it has to be a resolution where you never have to revisit it again because you accomplished it and you took care of it now again you you didn't you didn't play that game of oh the inmates the inmates what about their care oh the in your thing was protect my correction officers why because I think that it's important that not only that the correction officers be protected, the inmates have to be protected against themselves and others. And there are some officers who have done something that they shouldn't have done. And then you have those that have to be protected by the public. The, the city police department and every, everybody deserves protection to the utmost. But in having that protection to the utmost, everybody has to cooperate with each other in order to make it come together so that it's safe for everybody. And I didn't play when it came to protecting the lives of correction officers or their families. And I didn't play when it came to an inmate being assaulted in, in, by anybody. And I didn't play when it came to an, to an inmate stabbing another inmate half to death and, and didn't get rearrested or didn't get charged with, with additional charges. I think that we have to move forward now. I think that the answer is what's next. We have already seen all the other shows. It's reruns now. Mm. What's next? Mm. New episode. So as somebody that's been around this city a long time, I have a funny feeling that you have a political career ahead of you. Round two. What are you willing to tell me as of right now? As of right now, I'm willing to tell you that God is still on the throne, Dominic. God is still on the throne. 
Are you interested in public office? I'm interested in doing what I've been directed to do, and and I'm going to leave it like that. I I think that uh, it's important. I'm I'm actually going uh, August 5th, I believe it is. Uh, I'm going to uh, an event for young people with gun violence because it's out of control. It has to be um, talked about, but it has to be talked about with the people that it's affecting most. Mm. Uh, two adults, me and you talking about gun mm. control, yep, yippee-ki-yay. Mm. But I got, I got to talk to those that are directly involved in it now. Mm. You understand what I mean? So I got you loud and clear. Like I that. got you. How, how did we get to the point that things are, you know, you and I, we talk about this all the time, two guys from the Bronx, public school education, both of us. What's going on with the kids these days? You and I both know that our borough with young people is out of control. What is going on, Norman Seabrook? I think that um, we're not talking to them. And when we talk to them, we're not talking with them. We're talking at them. And then we become afraid of them because they have a difference of opinion and when they speak back, they speak back with maybe some aggressiveness in their voice that frightens the parent. And the parents sometimes are trying to become their friends as opposed to their parent. And we're missing the mark. And in order to get it back, we have to, like I said, speak to them, directly to them. It doesn't have to be your child. It could be the child down the street. But you have to start that communication, and you'll be surprised how far you'll go. Last question. I'll let you go. Well, I do want to come back to the EMT worker as we're going to open up the phone lines to talk about that, the one that was stabbed. But before I do so, the situation, you're strong, strong law enforcement. You always have been, right? And so the situation in Ohio, right? And I want, I know you're, you're a straight brother. You got, you're going to tell it to me the way it is with no chaser, right? And I like that about you. So we have a police officer in Ohio that has lost his job, the, 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 the handler of the canine unit, of the dog, because he let the leash go and the dog attacked the man and the man had been, the police had been chasing him and, and he didn't have a mud flap on his truck and, and you know the story. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling a bit for the officer because this man has lost his career. And none of this had to be if the individual had just complied with the law. What is your take on this, Norman Seabrook? I think that the um, first, um, I listened to the tape that you played yesterday, and I heard uh, someone screaming or yelling commands not to release the dog, et cetera, et cetera. But my, my point here is I don't know what that other officer heard. Whether right. he heard it right. or he didn't hear it. Right. I don't know if there's something wrong with his hearing. I don't know anything about what he felt at that moment. Now, I don't even know whether or not he was conscious of the fact or whether he was nervous. I don't know any of that. But I do know that I would have fought for the rights of that member not to lose his job. Maybe he would have taken a hit. He got to take a hit if he got to take a hit. But at the end of the day, I don't want to say he deserved to be fired because I don't know all the facts. So when you say you would have fought for that officer's job, why? Because I think that sometimes things happen in the heat of the moment. 
And in the heat of the moment, I can't, I'm not sitting in there. I can't Monday morning quarterback what he was feeling at that moment. So I don't understand all the circumstances involved. I don't even know whether or not he went and tried to pull the dog off of him. I don't know that either. There are so many variables that go with this. It has to be looked at, and, and, and that's why we have unions, and that's why we're supposed to fight for our members, and that's why we're supposed to fight for the public, and that's why we're supposed to fight for public employees, because I think it's very, very important that with the cost of living going up and everything skyrocketing, but salaries are not moving anywhere and benefits are not moving anywhere, and they're trying to take away the uh, retirees' benefits for all municipal workers in the city of New York. It's insane, but we got to get back to the table let's go for a round table uh, let's go full circle and then i've got to take a break for uh, a commercial break and we see all the calls we're going to get to them in just a second but but in letting you go norman seabrook the former head of the correction officers union in new york city uh you know that 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 i knew your daughters and 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 lovely young ladies now we started out talking about um the em ems worker that was stabbed would you and you say that uh, the NYPD on these EDP calls should accommodate them? Would you let your daughters work uh, as EMS uh, employees, given how dangerous the job is? You know, I, I, I don't I don't want to say that. I don't think that's a fair question. And let me tell you why. Because what I know about unions and what I know about requesting things and putting it in writing gives me an advantage. If I was just a regular dad and said, oh, man, that's too dangerous for you. You can't do that, et cetera, et cetera. That's one thing. But if I'm a dad that comes from labor, I'd say to you, listen, I want you to request that an NYPD officer ride with you in the back of this cab all the way to the hospital to make sure that you're safe. And I want you to take it, put it in your logbook. If they say no, put it in the logbook. If you get whoever, do whatever you got to do to protect yourself, because it comes a thing with, did you ask for an escort? What do you mean, did I ask for an escort? It's an EDP. That's a person that already has a problem. What else do I have to write? What else do I have to say? You understand what I'm saying? I got you. I got you loud and clear. Norman Seabrook, thank you for joining us live. I look forward to chatting with you in the future. And, again, I got a funny feeling that um, you you are going to be doing something political in office. But we'll see. We'll see. Thank you very much for joining God us. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. You and your family and everyone who's listening. Thank you. Thank you very much, Norman Seabrook, joining us live, the former president of the Correction Officers uh, Union when he was the president of the organization, quite bold in terms of uh, defending his members and and fighting for correction officers, it took a no-prisoners uh, no uh, approach. And so we have got to take a break, right? So we're discussing what happened to the uh, EMS, the EMS young lady that was stabbed repeatedly. Oh, it's horrible to even think about it. I'm going to take a break. I want you folks to know I see all of your telephone calls from Elmont to the Catskills to Bayonne, New Jersey, Rockland, Staten Island, Saratoga, Mineola. I'm going to try and get to as many of them as we can with the final uh, 35 minutes of the show. I'm also going to break down what's going through the minds. I bring a very unique perspective in terms of my own, my mother's mental illness. Wrote a book about it. I don't know mama's boy. I know what it's like, right? And and I've never discussed these things before. I know what it's like 
when EDPs, when people with the with the mental illness, when they go off. I know what it's like firsthand when you're facing one of those attacks. When when they are attacking you and it is almost like they are a superhero in terms of strength. We are going to take a break. We will be right back. Dominic Carter here with you in for Brian Kilmeade. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Now... Yo, Jordan Empty, this, this right here is cut. Yeah, I, I feel big, you know what I mean? Like, not, not big in the sense of weight, you know what I mean? Like, gaining weight up, nothing like that, like, colossal, like, you know what I mean? Like, <sighs> I heard you were looking for me. Hey, Mr. Carter, I am back. Dominic Carter. Here with you, Talk Radio 77 WABC. Little Wayne, I believe, is the uh, or, the uh, artist on that song. And um, I'm here until the top of the hour. And I'm in for Brian Kilmeade this week here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. And the mother, the mother of that New York City EMS worker stabbed repeatedly. Look at the stab, the bandages on her leg. Oh. On her leg. Oh, my God. She stabbed repeatedly inside the ambulance, trying to help the man. And the suspect is 48-year-old uh, Rudy Garcia in custody, eight prior arrests. And um, her mother, her mother, the EM- EMS worker, her name is Julia Bottom. And her mother wrote that he's been released back into civilization eight times. And she's right about that. I see all of your calls. I'm going to get to them just for a moment here. I want to try so that we can try to have an understanding of what's going on when these things happen from the perspective of the mentally ill. You have to understand, folks, and and I have experience in dealing. This is what I talk about all over the country. Soon I'm headed to uh, Texas and Alabama, and these are the issues that I talk about. Because, um, and it took me a while to get to this point. The book on my life is titled No Mama's Boy, but it's, it's not a traditional type book. It's, it's a book that's about a son growing up in New York City and his mother has severe mental illness. The child is me and my mother is Laverne Carter. And the book starts out with the fact that I'm not demonizing my mother, but I've gone through a lot of awful things. And you have to understand, folks, when these attacks happen in their minds, the, the people that are doing this, they think, they feel strongly that they are under attack, that 
and I'm not saying this in a joking manner, um, because this actually happened to my mother, they feel that mice may be attacking them. Or in my mother's case, the voices, that if you're a chronic paranoid schizophrenic, the voices. And the truth of the matter is, uh, my mother heard voices when I was just two years old to throw me out of a window, and she planned on doing it. My mother um, used to um, discipline me, that's the best way I can say this, uh, as a child because she heard voices where I was often hospitalized uh, as a child, at ha- all documented, at Harlem Hospital. Harlem Hospital, because of uh, the beatings that my mother, and they become super strong with mental illness. And and uh, once they go on the attack, they they go. And and it, it appears that uh, a psychotic a psychotic episode with this uh, man, Mr. Garcia. Who knows? We don't know if it was K two, or we don't know if it was uh, full mental illness. We don't know if he was just an emotionally disturbed person. What we do know is that that EMT was uh, trying to help him, and she was a sitting duck. And so, um, it's it's it, it's tough. It really is tough because they feel that they, meaning the attacker, in their mind, that they are a thousand percent correct. And if they're off their medication, it, it, they don't like taking their medication. They feel, and my mother went through this, they feel that it makes them feel like a zombie and, and numb. And it, 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 the book is No Mama's Boy. Um, I'm going to your phone calls. You can order it online, DominicCarterOnline.com, DominicCarterOnline.com. But understand, you're, you're going to read my story of starting with nothing and going to where I am now, growing up uh, a poor black kid on welfare in the Bronx with no father. But you're also going to read a, a tear-jerking story of me growing up with my mother's mental illness. And it was so bad that uh, I was removed from her care by the city of New York as a toddler and placed in the New York City foster care system until my family members were able to regain custody of me. So this is something that is very, very serious. Let's go to the telephone calls. Steve in Elmont. Good morning, Steve. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yeah, hi. Good morning, Dominic. Um, What I wanted to say today, I know a lot of times we don't agree on stuff, but this one's close to me because my daughter is an EMT worker in in Washington, D.C., and recently she's been thinking about quitting. She says she might give it one more year and then she wants to leave. She says she's overworked. She's in Southeast DC and worse than that, um, she doesn't have any support from, you know, the people that she's working with. Not the people that she's working with, but she don't have no back. And that currently two, I believe EMT workers or from the fire department are in jail because someone went got loose and was choking out the uh, chief or something like that. And, you know, they got in and, you know, they were, they wind up beating him up because he started beating them up. He was on drugs and um, because they kicked him in the head and it was being videotaped, they're now in jail. 
he's out, no charges or anything for assaulting them, choking them out. But it's just like the the caller in before called and said, we have to sit down and talk about this because, you know, people are getting hurt and these EMT workers are, you hear, they don't have a gun. They're right in the middle of everything that's going on. No one's, I don't think enough is being done. All you see is when, if someone passes away, we put our flags that have mass and then we talk a lot of the words, but what's really being done about this? You made some great points, Steve. You know, I, I've got to take a break. I appreciate your call. I hope things work out for your daughter as an EMT in uh, the nation's capital. Folks, uh, we have a lot of calls. If you want to reach me, you can also send me your comments on Twitter at Dominic TV at Dominic TV. We are going to take a break. We're not dealing with any other topic up until the top of the hour. When we come back right back to the phones and what you have to say on this issue. Dominic Carter in for Brian Kill Me. Talk Radio 77 WABC. WABC. And folks, here we go again. Attorneys for former President Donald Trump have been told to expect their client to be indicted in connection with his efforts to, quote, overturn the uh, 2020 election results at the uh, January 6, uh, 2021 Capitol attack. The lawyers for Trump met with prosecutors from special counsel Jack Smith's office at the Justice Department yesterday morning. And, of course, uh, Trump himself announced uh, July 18th that his lawyers had been told he was a target of the investigation, which Smith is overseeing, in addition, in addition to a probe of the former president's uh holding, if you will, reported holding of national security documents at his Mar-a-Lago resort. So the grand jury in Washington meeting today, which means that the indictment could come as early as today, tomorrow. But if you believe uh, what's happening, it's going to be coming very soon. The former president expected to be indicted again. We are talking mental illness and the attack on the EMS uh, worker up until the top of the hour. Let's go to Morty in central New Jersey. Good morning, Morty. What's on your mind? Good morning, Dominic. How you doing? Good, good. Go right ahead, please. Good to hear. Good to talk to you again. Well, I just wanted to, you know, I heard your story um, that you were talking about earlier, and, um, you know, I drew some parallels to it with my, Dad and my upbringing, um, my dad being a uh, army veteran, he was a Green Beret, and you know, from a young age, I I was, you know, I was taught a lot of stuff differently um, than you know normal kids. I was taught, you know, firearm safety, at, you know, a couple years old, and um, you know, I would never, I would never think that today it would, you know, come in more handy than, you know, I'm lucky I learned it when I was a kid, but you know, it also came with its setbacks, you know, a short fuse and easily, easily angered, and you know, that 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 kind of you know, more of my, more of how I dealt with things, 
um, as a kid and how I dealt with things growing up. But um, I and and correct me if I'm wrong if I say this, but you know, throughout all the you know, you could say throughout all the bad things, um, I still found at the end of the day uh, there was still that love there. Um, and I could still never, you know, I could never hate my dad because, you know, he was helping me into the world and he did teach me a lot of things. And, you know, uh, I would say, you know, you would say the same with your mother. You'd still love her as well. Yes. Uh, and, you know, Morty, uh, I, I'm short on time and we, we have a full deck of calls. I apologize. So I do have to move on. But, Morty, I do want to address this point. Uh, and it's interesting what you just brought up. So, yes, when when you're the victim of something like this at the hands of a mentally ill parent, it's a love-hate relationship, and that's why that's why my book was titled No Mama's Boy. It's funny you bring that up, Morty, because I never had a traditional relationship with my mother. It was my aunt and my grandmother, and, um, you know, it's tough. It's tough because um, all my life, I, I didn't want my mother at my college graduation. I didn't want her around. It, it, was, it was tough, and then when she died... And uh, I had to be there for her. I almost had a complete nervous breakdown while I'm on television, because be careful what you wish for in life, because after she died and I, I I'm, I'm not proud of this, but I had wished her dead because of the bad things that, that, that have happened to me. And I'm not going into it right now on the radio because it's not the appropriate forum, but some very, very bad things have happened in my life, in my childhood. So I understand exactly what you are saying. Let's go to Sal in Bayonne. Good morning, Sal. You're on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Yes, Dominic. Dominic, we we, we need to have a comprehensive, long-term program to help deal with mentally ill people. I've been in New York so many times. I haven't been there in a long time, but in a while, because uh, it's, it's, it, the, the city is, 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 has degenerated. But I, I, I went there so many times. I've seen so many people, so many of them people, black people, people of color, people, all kinds of sick people talking to themselves, jumping up and down. It's heartbreaking. It's terrible. We've got to do something about it to help them. Yeah. And we've got to have a comprehensive uh, program. And on top of that, I would also like to say, I never, I never see people like Al Sharpton and Letitia James and all these other quote unquote black activists talking, talk anything, say anything about it, do, have any program or any, any kind of, any words of compassion or any programs for these people. I, I hear you, Sal. Thank you for the call. I've got to take a break, but to Sal's point, because I, re- I remember when I was a little boy, you know, oftentimes, when, when, whenever my mother, and I'm, I mean, my mother went through electric, electrical shock, straight jackets. I mean, serious, chronic, paranoid schizophrenia. And whenever she would take me to the park, it was like I was taking her to the park. She would be holding my hand, but it, the medication, the serious medications, uh, that she was on. Folks, I've, I've got to take a break. And, and this is what EMS workers are dealing with each and every day. They are sitting ducks walking into these situations. And this young lady, 25 year old EMT was stabbed because she was a sitting duck trying to help this individual. The good news, she has been released from the hospital. We've got to take a break. 
I will be right back and going right back to your telephone calls. Dominic Carter here with you on Talk Radio 77 WABC in for Brian Kilmeade. Now, here's Dominic Carter on Talk Radio 77 WBC. And we are back. Here's what I'm going to do, folks. Uh, we are receiving a lot of calls right now on the issue of the uh, mental illness. And like, for example, uh, Angelo on Staten Island says that his mother had mental illness as well. And uh, so what I'm going to do, tomorrow's program, uh, where I'm in again for Brian Kilmeade at 11 a.m. 11 a.m. We will talk live to former NYPD officer Sal Greco, who was fired after the NYPD brought internal charges against him because of his association with the great Roger Stone. I've known Roger Stone many, many years, about 30 years. He's a good man. But anyway, we'll deal with that tomorrow, but we'll also, we're going to try our best to deal with the issue of mental illness because I feel that people should be heard. This issue is personal to me, and I just don't have the time right now for all of these calls uh, to to uh, be heard from. Chris and the Catskills, it, it's got to be brief, Chris. I'm trying to get as many people as I can right now. Go ahead, Chris. So Dominic, when I was on hold... I wait, wait, Chris, are you on speaker? It's very hard to hear you. No, sir. Okay, can go you ahead. hear me now? It sounds better now. Go ahead. I, when I was on hold, I called State Senator James Scoopis's office. He's a conservative Democrat representing Orange County, and I brought up an idea I, I talked to you about six months ago about having a, a large monetary bond put up legislatively in New York to fund for the construction of widespread mental health facilities and treatment centers throughout New York State. So I spoke to one, one of James Scoopis's aides, and I'm setting up a meeting with him. I was a former county legislator myself. Who oh, okay, right, right now, right now, Chris, I'm, uh, Chris, I'm sorry. I, I don't have time for the side stories right now. I, I hear you. We can talk about this more tomorrow. Let's go to Angelo on Staten Island. Good morning, Angelo. What's on your mind? Yeah, yeah good morning, Dominic. First of, all, first of all, I want to tell you I love you. You touch my heart. I'm in tears right now because me, you and I have very similar situations with our mothers. My mother just passed away a couple of months ago. I, I'm sorry and, to hear that. Yeah, thank you. And um, she um, she gave me up when I was nine years old. I, I never had a, like a strong relationship with her. And uh, I ended up um, with my grandparents. They became my parents. My grandmother was, was the closest person in my life. So we are similar. Very similar. I almost, you know, I can't, I, very, very similar. You know, so I'm hearing right now because, um, you know, uh, you know, even though that she had all these situations, um, I still loved her because um, she was my mother. And, you know, I know she tried her best. And, she, you know, she told me that she gave me up because she wanted me to have a better life. Yes. So, um, Angelo, do, do me a favor because I have to step in and I deeply apologize. Please call tomorrow, 10 a.m. I promise you, you will go to the top of the list. Please call us tomorrow. Curtis Lee, where we're out of time, but my brother, mm. my brother. Let me compliment you, um, Dominic. Even the boys in the hallway were commenting what a dramatic piece of radio broadcasting that was. When you talked about all the mental health issues that plagued your mother. Well, thank they, you, man. Now, these are veterans in talk radio. They've never heard anything like this. So important 
because we have all these problems and nobody is able to explain it. You experience them firsthand. Thank Indeed. you for enlightening our audience. Thank well, my, you. my brother, what do you have coming up? You know we're short on time right now. What do you oh, have? Oh, yeah, man. Eric Adams, swagger man with no plan, right? Picking on another older woman saying, oh, boy. well, you have an accent. Oh, really? Well, I worked my way to America. I did it the right way. You're going to hear it live and exclusively on the Rip and Read. Well, folks, you want to keep it right here. Coming up right now, we have Bill O'Reilly and Curtis Lee is standing by. I'll be back again tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. in for Brian Kilmeade. Stay cool. Drink lots of liquids and keep it right here. Talk Radio 77 WABC.